0: I'm Brendan McCormack, and welcome to the Perth Fit Fan podcast, where you get to hear from the best thought leaders and change makers from across the Perth fitness scene. In today's episode, we'll be catching up with sleep and respiratory scientist Martin McPhillamy. Martin currently works out of the Dunderlof Health Campus and has qualifications including a Master of Science, Master of Research, and a Bachelor of Sport and Exercise Science. Martin is passionate about fitness and aims to inspire, educate, and help athletes and fitness enthusiasts to achieve high performance in a healthy way if you love what we do then you can become a supporter of perth fit fan by joining our fan subscriptions on facebook and gain access to exclusive content discounts on merch and more and make sure to give us a five-star review on itunes google play or stitcher for your chance to win a perth fit shirt which will be given away at the end of every show thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the podcast we are on so i've kind of ruined the first question but that's okay that's so we got. To, so we got to act really, really surprised. Um, okay. So podcast, perfect fan podcast number twenty-five with. I can't say the sleep scientists.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: Yes, and my bald brother Martin McPhil... McPhil... McFillamy. McPhil- McPhil- McPhil-
1: Mc. <laughs> McFillamy. You know what? It.
0: I um. I, I listened to the podcast you were on with Alice and Sean before we came, um, and because Alice struggled with it. I practice so hard and I'm like, I'm not going to stumble on this. And there you go. That was my
1: that was my one opportunity. Do not worry, mate. That, that, my whole life, I've gone the whole <laughs> life where people have just called me all different things. So I, I didn't even take notes anymore to be honest with you.
0: Martin McFillamy. There you go. I got it. Rolls off the tongue. Um, all right. So today we're going to be talking about sleep. We're going to be talking about um, what it is, uh, it, your uh, its effect on uh, your performance and your recovery as an athlete or as a fitness person. But to kick things off. I have a few questions of my own and I want to bust some sleeping myths, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Go for it. All right. First question. Is it possible to learn in your sleep? So if I was to listen to a how to speak French, if I was listening to a uh, song or a podcast, would I learn from that?
1: Uh, well, there's actually some very recent research that's come out that suggests that, yes, we can learn during our sleep. Um, sleep is a, a process that actually enhances learning. So if you have gone away and you are reading and studying, having a nap after can increase like, your chances of actually learning that content. Because as we sleep, there's certain processes that we go through that file the, um, the memories and store that and upload it into the system, into the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how we do learn. But there has been recent studies that come out where if we're wearing earphones or listening to things, that actually, yes, we can kind of, in a certain way, not to to the extent of you know, reading a book and learning the content. But the study actually looked at, can we remember certain words that we haven't previously heard and then pick those words out? And the, yeah, it suggests that actually when you have sleep and you've, you've listened to those words, you're more likely to be able to pick those up. So like you do listening to Joe Rogan, yeah. you probably taking some of that information in, certainly.
0: Yeah, so to give people contacts in that, uh, Martin and I were speaking earlier. So for probably the past three years, I go to sleep every night listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. For some reason, that's just the habit which I've developed that puts me to sleep. So my concern was if I'm listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with Alex Jones and Eddie Bravo, <laughs> and we know they're probably the most outrageous people in the world, it kind of concerns me. What am I putting in my brain
1: whilst I sleep? So <laughs> there you have it. I would certainly be be wary of the content that you're listening to before you, when you're sleeping. Yeah, at the end of the day, we're not we're not fully unconscious. Um, dreaming to a certain extent is like our thought process is still continuing with an odd. Yeah, your subconscious and your conscious merging together so you could be enhancing your dreams and dreams occur during REM sleep which is essentially the sleep that we we do use to to learn these processes and especially with motor skills and stuff like that
0: yeah that's really interesting so one point that you said is that it's beneficial to take a nap after mm-hmm. you finish studying or
1: learning yeah. something um so you recommend napping um yeah well it depends it depends on how much sleep you get in Okay. So I, I sleep.
0: Let's say I sleep. Um, we try to get seven to eight hours. Yeah. Um. So we go to bed at, at nine thirty and wake up around four a.m. to four thirty, um, without an alarm. Yeah. Um. I I nap every day. Yeah, okay. At least 15, half an hour.
1: I mean, 15 to 30 minutes is not going to be bad. If you're training hard and you're in a period where you could be overreaching or overtraining, then a, an additional nap is, is going to be probably beneficial. But if you're and if you a sleeper who only gets less than six hours, then having a, a nap up to an hour can actually improve performance. We could. If you're someone who sleeps more than seven hours um, and you're not particularly overtraining or you're not tr- particularly training really hard, then actually having that extra hour nap can be detrimental to performance. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So, there is too much sleep.
0: Okay, excellent. That's good to know. Um, Now, next question. Is it possible to speak another language or in another tongue in your sleep, so sleep talking, if you don't know how to speak that language? So, I've heard that this is a thing.
1: I actually wouldn't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. Um, That's a bit of a difficult question. Would you be able to do that? As a psychological point of view, let's, let's think about so what Carl Jung used to think, who's a very famous uh, psychologist. He used to believe that the dreams are the collective consciousness. So mm. it's, it's the consciousness of everyone around us and all our previous history. So if in your family somewhere that you may have German or you may have French or whatever, potentially there might be a small chance. But yeah, that's just going off. What a theory is in psychology, but I wouldn't know anything about it. But
0: that's so funny. Truth. So the reason why I asked that is there was a girl that lived across the road from me when I was in high school, and she used to tell me that she would speak Egyptian at night, and and she looked Irish, man. Like if yeah. she did her twenty three and me, there is no way she would have been one percent Egyptian.
1: You well, we don't know. The Egyptians had a big uh, no. They're a big part of the community that we that we don't know, and there's a lot of people that are I think have have Egyptian in them. Yeah. I have had patients here before who have looked at me and gone, "Do you have an Egyptian in you?" I'm like, ah scottish irish and english as far as i'm aware
0: (laughs) yep i'm I'm the same there you go so i'm gonna put that down as a highly unlikely but possible um all right important question is sex apnea a real condition asking for a mate
1: (laughs) sex apnea um sex somnia is a real condition Okay. So sex apnea, sleep apnea is a condition. So that's where your airways are collapsing on top of each other. And that's the main thing that we actually treat here, uh, cardiorespiratory sleep. But sex somnia is basically a, a, a REM behavior sleep disorder where there has been known to be cases where people actually have sex during their sleep mm. and are not, aware, are not aware of it. Uh, so, yeah, that is, is a truth. And yes. people have been dismissed from cases of you know, rapes and things like that because they've been proven actually during their sleep and even murders. Really? Yeah.
0: There you go. Um, Michelle, I told you it was a real condition. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Mitz busted. Moving on. So, first of all, Martin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your qualifications in the field of sleep.
1: Okay. Um, so, originally, I was an exercise scientist. I uh, did a, a master's of research in that area. And I focus mainly on uh, respiratory sciences and how we can improve exercise by looking at improving uh, respiratory performance or uh, respiratory muscle performance. And then I decided to go into to clinical sciences and in, in, in clinicians and medicine. Respiratory and sleep go hand in hand because of issues like obstructive sleep apnea and uh, a lot of sleep disorder breathing. So as a part of that, um, I trained then to be a sleep scientist in a hospital back in uh, Nottingham in the U.K., three-year uh, training program and my main research area when i was doing a, a master's degree and whilst i was doing my uh, clinician work was uh, looking at how um, poor sleep or sleep apnea can affect the metabolism
0: okay yep interesting um so who do you currently work with
1: so i currently work for a company called cardio respiratory sleep yep um we also have a brother like a, 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 a sister company called cardiovascular services and the the ceo uh, phil curry he's uh came up with this idea where we're trying to integrate health services and that's to say someone who has a, a cardiac issue, we know that the respiratory system and also the, s- the sleep system is is, um, is associated with this issue. So if you go to see a doctor, that doctor's not just going to look at your heart but mm-hmm. they can say, okay, well, there could be something going on with their sleep here. So it's very easy to then the test from the, the people who are particularly in, in the room next door.
0: Yeah, sure. So who are the kind of people that you're working with at the moment? Like who, who's your clientele?
1: Um, our main patients would be um, g- general public people with health issues. So people who are sleepy during the day, who have uh, – they might have uh, you know, heart, heart failure or they might have cardiac arrhythmias, um, people who have, have generally poor health. So mainly it would be more towards the uh, senior side, Yeah, but we do see – uh, typically some people uh, come through who have sleep apnea so rugby players um, okay. often uh, new zealand maui, maui people they have a tendency is that to because have, of their size um yeah particularly can be to be the size so there is a direct correlation between bmi even if it's muscle or fat and having obstructive sleep apnea but in the particular people who over here who in the rug players, it tends to be people from a lot of them from New Zealand, and they have a jaw, jaw structure that's quite, quite narrow at the back, and that can cramp the airway. So it makes the airway easy to collapse when they're falling asleep. So people tend to uh, tend to snore, snore more, and then the airways collapse, and that then causes a lack of oxygen in their body, which called, disrupts their sleep and fragments, fragments their sleep. Yeah. So then, what are you doing in that sort of situation? Depends on the severity of how, of how bad it is. But one of the main treatments that we actually use is a, a, a little device called CPAP. Mm-hmm. Um got models behind me here and that is uh, basically a small device that blows air into the airway and just keeps your airways open so then the snore disappears and you can breathe more freely mm-hmm. so then you don't get your know, disruptions in oxygen because you're breathing fine.
0: Awesome. Um, now, this is going to be the crux of it and this is where I'm going to let you geek out on the side, <laughs> side of stuff. So first of all, like, what is sleep? Like, What is sleep actually and why do we need it?
1: Okay, so sleep is, um, there's there's many reasons why we sleep, and to begin with it started off as like an evolutionary process where we're just trying to quiet down and survive away from uh, predators. And that become uh, an energy conservation sort of thing. So we would go and hunt during the day and then uh, keep our energy at night. But the reason why we sleep in in, in your field, the main reason is going to be two things, and that's going to be recovery. Um, And then also learning and motor control and storing memories. So if you're trying to learn a new skill, there's a particular part during sleep that actually um, we need to ensure ensure that happens. There's four stages of sleep. So there's there's wakefulness, Mm -hmm. then there's non-REM, and there's REM sleep. And in that non-REM, there's stage one, two, and three. Yep. Okay. Now, stage three is what we need for recovery. So, roughly 70% of our growth hormone is released during that stage. Okay. And that occurs during the, the, the first half of the night. So, say if you're going to bed late and you're only getting four or five hours sleep, you might actually miss a big part of that stage three.
0: Okay. How, how does that work then? Like, does your body know based on you know, the, the time it is about when it's going to produce certain things, or is it how much sleep you've actually had?
1: So, we run off the obviously light. So, we run off yeah. what's called circadian rhythms. And yes. how we actually tend to go to sleep is in the brain, we've got chemicals and neurons in the brain that connect each other. And we have either chemicals that like inhibit inhibit those neurons, so they deactivate the brain, or excite those just neurons. And when, we, when it's light, we basically get an increase in like, excitatory uh, activation in the brain. And when it starts to dim down at dark, we uh, get a release of melatonin. Mm-hmm. And from a process that happens throughout the day, so say when we're, we're exercising, we're using ATP, for example, yeah. adenosine is the, is the chemical that actually causes us to have this, uh, it causes us to feel sleepy. Okay. So as a byproduct of that, it's built up through the day, and then when we get to a certain point, we start to release melatonin, that causes us then to go to sleep. Okay. Um, so to go, to go back to that question, leading on from that is that actually then the body will need to um prioritize actually re- recovery so that's that stage three is is, is probably the most crucial uh, part of sleep that we that we can get mm. so it prioritizes that for the first part of the night and then for the latter part of the night it's more REM sleep and that's more to do with um uh, the filing of those memories and the learning of the, the coordination so you're you're a crossfix, in crossfix for example if you're doing your fundamental courses, you're learning your um, you know, your Olympic lifting. If you were to lack that REM sleep, you would find it more difficult than to go back in the gym and, and to reapply that and, and learn that skill. I find
0: that really, really interesting that by getting better sleep, um, it sounds quite basic, but when you put it, even in a simple form like that, that requiring sleep to make you smarter, to make you retain more yeah. uh, information, which is kind of backwards from a lot of people do because they got to try and hustle and bustle and rely on minimal sort of sleep, which I find fascinating. One question I had with ATP, so um, uh, the byproduct of the energy production, yep. so uh, which ATP is required for. So does that mean um, that if you do um, exercise or, or more physical exercise then that should actually help promote better rest?
1: Yeah. So um, light to moderate exercise, obviously throughout the day can increase the amount of adenosine that we have. So that causes this pressure, pressure to sleep. Build-up of that makes us more sleepy. So that can actually help improve sleep. Mm-hmm. However, if you're um, in CrossFit or if you're a bodybuilder, for example, and you're doing real high intense weights, that, and that actually can actually be detrimental to sleep because we need to be able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system to be able to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. And what that whole process of, of doing in, intense exercise is actually increasing the excitatory neurons in the brains. Yes. So that would actually make it more difficult to sleep, but moderate to, you know, not like right to moderate exercise can actually definitely improve sleep.
0: Okay. So then coming from a personal situ- uh, a personal position from myself, yes. so I would be a more highly stimulated person yep. um, uh, in a bro science way of saying it with a fried central nervous system. Yep. Um, how is that going to affect my sleep and how can I improve?
1: It's, it's That's the, one of the main causes of insomnia is having too much sympathetic drive. Yep. And that's also one of the main causes of what causes all the health issues related with having poor sleep. So... Uh, Having that more stimulation, it's all about balance. Everything in the body is about homeostasis at the end of the day. So we need to be able to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. and to do that, that is through breath work. So, I yep. mean, uh, maybe four second windows, 10-second windows, slowing the breath down, um, uh, focusing on that meditation, yeah, um, uh, y- like Yin yoga, that sort of stuff. That's mm-hmm. all. It's all going to uh, activate the parasympathetic nervous, nervous system. Uh, magnesium that's even can can help aid with that as well and I think who's the guy who does mobility What? oh Ke- Ke- uh, Kelly Starrett yeah Kelly Starrett he, he has something called a gut smash which is like basically lying on a, uh, like a, a half pumped up medicine ball lying on that and just really just like massaging the gut Yes, and that's where your adrenal glands are. And when you massage your adrenal glands, you can actually uh, activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Really, and doing that, it's it can hurt. You've got to try and really relax the gut while you're doing it, and just let the ball kind of sink in. Yep, it can hurt for a little bit, but if you just roll that all over, say 15-20 minutes, you'll be feel real sleepy after that.
0: Now we spoke off camera about uh, diaphragm breathing. Yep, give us explain that. Is that is that relatable to this situation?
1: Yeah. Well, the vagus nerve that controls the uh, the respiratory muscles uh, and and what causes the diaphragm to contract is, is very it's associated with parasympathetic uh, stimulation okay so, so when we breathe from the diaphragm and that essentially means that we're taking a big breath in and we're pushing out from our stomach and then we're breathing there rather than the chest that can again activate that and slow the body down slow the mind down and uh, the buddhists were taught to do that when they were when, when they were trying to go to sleep and they would really calm their body down as much as they can and then they would use visualization to actually uh, almost imagine the nervous system. Imagine that part of your nervous system, like, like a light, yeah. and that light switching off, and that can actually slowly, your brain can actually process and, and, and slow down and, and relax, and that you can feel your muscles all, almost lose all that tension. Um, do you do any meditation yourself? I do, yeah. So I do 10 minutes in the, uh, each morning, so every morning, just before I, I get to work 15 minutes early, and then just before I start my day, I do 10 minutes. And how do you do that? Um, I actually use uh, Sam Harris's app. So an app called Waking Up.
0: Yeah, I know Sam Harris. That's right. So he, I know Headspace, but I've never I, I know Headspace as the meditation app. But yeah. I know he has an app. I've never used it.
1: Yeah. So he's only just released that. Uh, prior that I was using I was using Headspace, and yes. a friend recommended Sam Harris. Yes. And I like it because he comes from a point of it's almost like you've got the um, the, the scientist point of view from it. Yes. And he takes you through all your senses. So it's like now you know, it like tells you to focus on what you what you can hear around you. you now what you can what can you smell, what you touch. And you can feel yourself go through that. And I've, I've noticed from that meditation that I've become more aware of what's around me when I'm just walking. Yeah, that, about.
0: That's really, really cool. I'll make sure that I put all these in the show notes for anyone that's interested to check them out themselves. Um, so for me, and like going back to my situation. So every time I've done a meditation, um, especially if it's a plant meditation where I'm, I'm delving more into my subconscious. Every single time I am told or it's brought to my attention that I should be addressing um, the caffeine intake or reducing my stress levels, even though it's something that over the years I've definitely brought down and I'm definitely nowhere near as wired as what I used to be. Um, But how would you suggest that someone like me where if I try and relax, I can feel my muscles twitching? Yeah. How would you suggest that I deal with this?
1: Um, so uh, number one, I would ask you, how well are you sleeping? How well? How well do you feel you sleep? Do you feel Uh, like you get good good quality sleep? I usually feel really good, but it's funny that
0: we're doing this podcast because for the past three nights, I was a little bit ill. And then last night, I probably had the worst
1: sleep that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, when we have poor sleep or uh, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. Cortisol is you know something that we talk about as a stress hormone and I don't want to put people off as cortisol because we need it but in chronic situations that can lead to a lot of a lot of issues with with sleep and having a lack of sleep also increases levels of cortisol. Mm-hmm. And um so how I would deal with that is, yeah, definitely avoiding caffeine because caffeine, again, increases cortisol. But going back to all those things that we talked about earlier on about trying to activate the parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system would be one of the main things that I would look at trying to trying to reduce that because you're trying to reduce adrenal activity. Mm-hmm. Light exercise, um, if, if that sort of stuff is disrupting your sleep, then perhaps if you're training in the evenings – I've just recently shifted to now training in the mornings, and I've improved my sleep massively.
0: Yeah, I've, I I actually did that a about a month and a half ago. I switched to um, 5 a.m. training sessions, and I do find it really, really good. I never, I've never woken up with an alarm for probably ten years. Yeah. It's just I've just had a lifestyle where I haven't needed to. So um, I would wake. My lifestyle would be I would wake up at 4:30 naturally. But if I was training in the evenings, I would wake up and I'd start work straight away. So, I'd just literally sit in front of a computer and start work at that time, which probably yeah. wasn't ideal. Yeah. Um But it was just the habit which I had.
1: Yeah. I mean... I- you say you mentioned the first things you get up is you go straight into the computer. Straight, straight away, you're giving your, your brain that sh- shell of light, which can be good if it's natural light. But if you're on your computer and you're going straight into work and you're flicking through emails and you're flicking through a lot of stuff, you're already putting your mind into that stressful situation. And that could be contributing to... And if you've already got elevated levels of cortisol in the morning, it could be enhancing that and that could be causing what you, you, your levels of shake. How much caffeine do you consume?
0: Um, I... I, I growing up as a rep for a supplement company this is disgusting i would consume up to previously i would consume up to a gram of caffeine a day jesus yeah i know i know that's crazy right even though i look back now so i never go under 500 i uh, never go over 500 yeah but if i can keep keep my consumption 300 or below
1: yeah um that's pretty good so uh, i would probably still say if that's been the quite chronic thing then you're you know, you're still getting the shakes during the day i'd say that Trying to actually cut some caffeine out for a while to give your body a rest from it, yeah, and to see the impacts that have on you. Yeah. don't be afraid to do it as well. A lot of people think, "Oh no, I can't survive without it." You know, I'm too. I'm, I've got too much to do. I need that. It's that hit. Some people enjoy it, mm-hmm. and it becomes a habit. But I, I know for a fact that if you remove that, that you will have you know, benefits from less stress in your life yeah and if you're a person who is go 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 and uh, you can see from the amount of work in the content that you're putting putting out that you are that sort of individual removing caffeine and just giving yourself three or four weeks to try maybe a challenge that you would want to do
0: yeah i definitely i I actually will i kind of like it's one thing which i know that i need to do for my own health even for the future Mm. like um I would I would hate to have heart heart issues at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Um especially if it can be avoided. So it's definitely something that has been brought to my attention but yeah, there's been a struggle there of actually letting go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's because it's just a habit. At the end of the day it's something that you've done you've, you you've had a gram of it in your in your in your life but, and you just <laughs> you slowly wean off but it's just something that's gone, you know, I just like having a coffee or whatever you, whatever it is your pre-workout. Yeah it's just it's changing that behavior and looking at it from a different p- perspective to say actually I can I can probably survive without that but I need to challenge it and test it first.
0: Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop caffeine usage because I know if I do it on and I say it on camera yeah. I can't I can't believe yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to check in with everyone I'm going to check in with you yeah. and everyone in 3 weeks just to kind of let everyone know where I'm at with it.
1: I have I've had previous people who've come come in or spoke to who I've been quite stressed at work and Mm. just switched to decaf. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I realized that actually that was it. That was the answer. It was just the caffeine. Nicotine? Nicotine, uh, yeah, I think it would be similar. Nicotine withdrawal. I think nicotine does have enough impact on – it is a bit of a stimulant. So it does increase heart rate and and can cause similar-like symptoms that you would have with you to drink caffeine.
0: Yeah, I started using nicotine gum as a cognitive enhancer. Um, and I found it didn't give it the same crush as coffee. So I would probably consume less, less caffeine. Um, but then yeah, you can't, how did Tim Ferriss say, Tim Ferriss say, there's no such thing as a free lunch. If yeah. you're going to have anything which is going to go up, there's going to be a negative side effect eventually. Yeah. So, all right, let's try and let's, let's test myself and, and we'll come back with this one. And the reason why I ask these questions about myself is because dealing with so many people in the fitness industry, I know that there's hundreds of people that listen to this that are in exactly the same boat. Mm.
1: And the thing is with caffeine as well is people don't realize how long it stays in your system for. Mm. So, it has a half-life of about you know, five and a half hours. Yeah. So, that means even if you take a, a pre-work at 5 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, it's still half it's in your system. And it only takes the smallest amount of caffeine to, a blo- to block that adenosine, mm-hmm. which is the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the chemical that makes us feel sleepy. And that's how it works.
0: Yeah. So um, on that, a funny note. So me talking about drinking a gram of caffeine a day. <laughs> so I remember being in like my early to mid-20s and not being able to sleep until like 3 a.m. in the morning. And obviously, it's because I had a pre-workout in the evening before I trained. And I remember thinking, oh, I have insomnia. up. Like, that's, yep. that's how ridiculous <laughs> I, I, I think that some of this stuff is that uh, you won't look at what you're consuming, but it's like, it's quite obvious what's going on. But it's like, oh, I must have a
1: condition. People don't look at themselves. No. People people look at, okay, I've obviously got something wrong with me. Mm. It's rather than saying, what am I doing wrong? I've yes. got something wrong with me. And that's what you just told me there. And it's the, it's the, it's the thing is because, okay, I don't want to look at the habits that I'm, I'm making to, because I actually... A part of my ego wants to tell me that I feel I, I I'm doing is great, I feel I'm doing is good." yeah, and I must have something wrong, so it must be insomnia. But insomnia it, it's a very vague word, word really, and it just means it's, insomnia is often caused by an issue that you think you're not going to be able to function the next day because you can't sleep at night mm. And it's caused, it can be caused by caffeine, it can be caused by you know, on your phone before you go to bed, too much light, all those sort of things can cause insomnia.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, um, rounding down to applying sleep and the benefits to athletes and
1: fitness people. Okay, so why should they get good sleep? Why? Why should they? Yeah, um, we've talked about the recovery. So during that not uh, that stage three non-REM sleep, that's where we get seventy percent of our, our release of our growth hormone, mm-hmm. and that is going to stimulate the release of uh, insulin-like growth factor from our from our liver, and that's where the main bulk of re- reco- muscle repair is going to is gonna is gonna happen also testosterone is released during sleep so if we have say for example you only sleep less than six hours five and a half hours you'll have uh, testosterone levels to that of a 10-year person senior than you really yeah that's crazy so how
0: much how, how fast would that change if i got a blood test one day mm-hmm. and i got my hormone panels done and then i had poor sleep like yeah. so that was after good sleep and then i had poor sleep and i and i got my results again would it be that rapid of a change or is it a gradual sort of six thing? or seven days Okay,
1: gotcha. Yeah. So six or seven days, and you'll probably see about 10% reduction in your testosterone, which is similar to that of someone who's about 10 years senior.
0: So that's really interesting. And, and I was talking about before about the experiments that I do, and you asked, did I control sleep? <laughs> and I did not. Um, but I did say that at the end of a 12 month diet experiment, sleep had more effect on how I felt. So I knew if I was going through a stressful or having bad sleep, that had more effect on how I felt than any specific diet. So this year, one of the tests I'm doing is comparing a herbal, um, herbal testosterone supplement versus a pharmaceutical testosterone and just seeing what effect that actually has on the body. But now it's interesting knowing that even that half an hour sleep can be a change of 10%,
1: tracking my sleep through this whole process will be really, really important. Uh, tracking your sleep with everything, because uh, people, people don't look at sleep in terms of the science. It, it's, a, it's a new area. They're looking at sleep only, but when they're looking at nutrition, there's, there's been a, quite a few studies where people have dieted for, say, two weeks on a 900-calorie diet, and they've had people sleep for eight hours mm-hmm. and some for five and a half hours. Both of them lost three kilos of weight. Mm-hmm. The ones that slept eight hours lost 1.5 kilos of fat. The ones that slept 5.5 kilos only lost 0.6 Wow. Kilos of fat. That's a lot of muscle wastage. Exactly. So, because because of increased levels of cortisol, we get increased levels of uh, protein breakdown. Mm-hmm. The body then prefers to um, break down protein, but also we get a reduction in leptin levels as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, leptin's the safety hormone, but it's also a hormone that uh, actually helps with energy expenditure. So, when that's low, it's like we go into that, there's it a starvation mode, and yeah. it's caused by lack of sleep.
0: That's really incredible. Because, um, yes, of. of so many bodybuilders, and let's say Arnold talks yep. about sleep faster. Yeah, yeah. So I find that really, really interesting. Um, okay, any, anything else with how it would apply to athletes or fitness people specifically?
1: Yeah. So I mean, if you're there is research that suggests if you're in a position where you can um, uh, see if you're ext- you're towards the latter part of the season and you you might be overreaching, overtraining, actually extending sleep mm-hmm. can improve performance and then reduce risk of injury as well. So I would go from say if you're only sleeping seven eight hours, but then maybe you're at the end of a, a bodybuilding cut or something like that. Actually, mm-hmm. you may be able to increase that to, to eight or nine hours and get benefits from that. That's a
0: good sleep. Or yeah,
1: or if you're now if you're a crossfit athlete that's got some competitions coming up soon, but you've been training really hard for it. it, it Extending that sleep can also potentially improve your performance as well.
0: Your body naturally sort of tells you that you need this yeah. amount of
1: sleep, doesn't it? it? It does. It does to a certain extent, yes. If, yeah. if you're like yourself, if you don't wake up with an alarm, if you should know from your alarm. If you wake up with an alarm and you haven't pressed snooze, 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 you need more sleep. If you, don't, if you don't use an alarm and you sleep longer, you need more sleep as well. Yeah. Another perspective from athletes that you could look at as well is that you – um, the role that sleep plays on your metabolism. So your ability to actually transport glucose into the muscle. So for example, re- recovery from exercise mm-hmm. is roughly around about 30 to 40% less when you have uh, a reduction in sleep by only three or four hours. Mm-hmm. So that if you were to have only five hours sleep um, and you're training really hard, compared to someone who has eight hours sleep, the glucose that you're trying to transport back into your system and your, and your muscles and recover yep. is, is going to be significantly less. So yes. therefore, if you were to do a training session the following day… You wouldn't have enough energy. Your energy level yeah, is going to be less. Yeah. Right? You're going to feel more tired. And one of the biggest things that impacts athletes with sleep is actually how how hard it perceives. So your RPE levels. Yep, okay. And the cognitive function of that.
0: Um, all right. So then most importantly, what's practical advice and the best hacks that you have to optimize your sleep?
1: Number one thing would be always, if you can, always be getting consistency. Okay. If you can, make sure you're getting up at the same time in the morning. Yep. And p- potentially trying to get to like, roughly a- within an hour at the same time at night. Mm-hmm. Because we run off a clock, the body is, it literally is a body clock, ran by light. The second thing would be is that follow the light. So if the sun's going down, dim your lights down in your house.
0: Would you use blue blocking glasses, or do you? I I don't have them, but
1: yes. I, I now I'm starting to work on my own stuff at home on a laptop. I'm considering purchasing them yes. you no know, the researchers suggest that actually uh, they do help block out the blue light and and help um, stop blocking the melatonin. Uh, release.
0: Um, Shell and I both use them. Yeah, and um, I gotta say, I I think that they're awesome. Yeah, okay. Every That's night, good. as soon as we're in, because we're usually on our devices, yep. um, try not to do work before I go to bed. But on our devices, or watching TV or something. So yeah, we both have them, and yeah, I can't rate them high enough.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And then uh, avoid enough, uh, caffeine after uh, no late noon. Um, mm-hmm. sorry like 2-3pm you know, just because it's still in your system when you go to bed uh, again alcohol avoiding trying to avoid, try avoid al- uh, alcohol anything that you think is going to disrupt your sleep yep. creating that um, the fourth kind of fourth idea what I tell you is, is creating a behaviour as well sleep so is sort of you, you, your body and your mind accepting that it's the end of the day Yeah. so just having a habit or a process that you go through to say okay right I'm going to go and have my mum uh, might have a green tea or, or herbal, herbal tea a bit of magnesium mm-hmm bit of breathing, stretching, the lights are all dimmed down and now I'm going to sleep.
0: Yeah.
1: And one tip that I always say to everybody is that actually when you go to brush your teeth, don't turn the light on. Because everyone goes into their bathroom, especially maybe maybe females, is actually they go to their light turn a bright light on take all their makeup off stare in a mirror bright light in their eyes that's going to push back that melatonin um, peak by around about 45 to 60 minutes yep. and then people can't get to sleep that's so really interesting. have a dim light on somewhere in the room so you can see in the bathroom yep. but don't have your main light do you do that? you take your makeup off early don't you? yeah I take my makeup off before I have a shower and a dinner but I clean my teeth with the light
0: on yeah Not, so no, if, no, if we everyone does we're having a
1: dim light in the bathroom yeah. C- can- candles do not affect um, they do not affect your melatonin so candles are natural light which yeah. is absolutely fine
0: and that's to do with the different colors so there's green there's blue and there's red yeah. within the
1: light isn't there it's, it's just natural light at the end of the day it's it's a light that we as humans we should be using
0: yes yeah there you go so romanticize your bathroom and put <laughs> up candles um,
1: anything else apps apps
0: that you use that you recommend Fitbits trackers these sorts of things
1: <laughs> trackers Um, so if we're looking at the accuracy of trackers then the aura ring is probably the the, uh, most the most is the the only one that's been validated to a certain extent or the one that's been researched
0: so aura ring is A-U-R-A I believe
1: I believe so yeah
0: yeah I'm going to put a link in for that one too they're quite expensive and you've got to personally order them from the states so I think they actually make them up as you order so they take a bit of time but from all accounts Ben Greenfield all the biohacker guys they all rate them the highest
1: and that's just it's just a sleep tracker and that's around about 80-90% not 80 to 90% accurate in in looking at when you're asleep and when you're not asleep so we can look at what's termed sleep efficiency mm-hmm. so we can see how much time are you spend in bed but how much, versus how much time are you actually sleeping for so there might be people who go to bed from 9 till say 6 and are in their bed for 9 hours but might only sleep for 8 hours of that yep so to predict it's around about 89% sure but when you're looking at um, uh, stage 1 stage 2 it's only around about 50% and then looking at rem it's probably only, it's, I think it's less than 30% accurate.
0: And that's about a $700 ring.
1: Maybe exactly. US. Yeah, exactly.
0: From, from memory. Um, so then what is the best way to keep track of your sleep? Um, how you feel. Okay. It's, that's
1: it's subjective feeling. If, you know, if, if you're having to wake up, with, if, if you turn your alarm off and you happen to sleep more, yep. then that is an idea that you need more sleep. Yep. But then just having that regular bedtime, making it a behavior, and saying to yourself, okay, I'm gonna to commit to this much this this much sleep when I can. Yeah, there's gonna be periods in your life where you've got a lot of stuff on and you're gonna to have to push back. But as long as 85% of the time that you get you, you're getting that consistency, that's fine. But then looking at how many times are you being disturbed during the night, how many times do you feel like you're waking up, what do you feel like in the morning? And yeah, you can use trackers to a certain a certain extent to look at okay. Is there any kind of pattern where I'm actually getting less uh, total amount of sleep according to these? Because even though their accuracy is eighty to ninety percent, you can still see. You might on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, for example, have less sleep because you've trained real hard. You know, Friday to Saturday, to Sunday, all of a sudden you're dropping down. Yeah, you might be able to see a pattern there. And if you download the data and look at monthly data, and you say the specific days, well, what's going on during these days? What's You'll be able going- to see trends. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it might not be accurate, but you will definitely be able to see a trend. Yeah. I guess they're no different to using body fat scanners. Like, yeah. They may not be 100% accurate, some definitely less than more, but you still will be able to see trends and things that what are going on. So, um, practical advice then. So, for me doing these tests, how would you suggest that I track the sleep component? Okay would
1: you just say have a
0: diary this is how long I slept and this is how I, sleep,
1: I mean sleep diaries yes um subjective sleep time is not the greatest indicator I mean if you wanted to do it then you you'd re- ideally want to be looking at actually having a sleep test and looking at it, you know, your brainwave activity and stuff like that that's the gold standard but you've got to use what you can and, and what, yes. what you what potentially you can use so if you wanted to do keep your, if you want to look at your sleep and go i would go with the ordering Okay. Yep. But if you don't willing to spend that much money on it, then what you what you can use. But I would contri- if, if you are going to do you know, like a study, like you say you do, where you want to try and keep the limits. I would just say, right during this period, I'm going to commit to going to bed at ten, and making sure I wake up at five or whatever. Okay. And just make sure you have that commitment because we can say, yeah, maybe you're going to sleep equally as good during that time, unless there's other factors that come on, people disturbing you and stuff like that.
0: Now for travel. Yep. what's the best way to be able to limit damage during travel? And the reason why I ask is because I know that next week, everyone's going to be flying over for the Arnold's, me included. Yeah. So we're going to have a, a three-hour loss. So what's the best way to okay. um, stop you from um, uh, getting that jet lag? Even that three hours is a killer.
1: Yeah. So when you're traveling east, it takes about um, one day for every hour of time zone you're traveling. So to, to be catching up with normal sleep, you'd need to be going three days before. Well,
0: so all the athletes, I hope that they're all booking in.
1: Yeah, essentially. So if you're an athlete and you're flying over to the East Coast um, or you're traveling East, then you need a a day for each hour that you're traveling. But if you're traveling West, it's only half a day. Okay. Because you're following the sun rather than... losing the sun you lose you
0: it's much easier to fly back yeah yeah. you definitely, definitely don't feel it um, in Pref- that instance going to the states let's say that's a 14 hour trip yeah. so that would take two weeks recovery time
1: yeah. yeah there are things that you can you can do to uh, improve that so you know prior to you can make sure that you're uh, when you're up, before you even fly out you can set the times and you can set your, your food habits so you're already in the position you go into mm-hmm. so follow the rules of, of where you fly into try and sleep when you can when you're on the plane so that you're waking up and you're sleep, sleeping on time times where it would be night over there and then waking up and um, uh, waking up when it's, you know, wait, waitfulness over, over on, over in America and uh, skip, skip the meals as well. So fasting during that period, because food is also linked to the circadian rhythm that controls sleep. Okay. Because of leptin and all those hormones that can help regulate sleep and stuff like that. So um, if it's nighttime where you're going and it's 3am in the morning and they walk around and they say, do you want some food? You say,
0: don't
1: eat. <laughs> yeah, resist it basically. Yeah, and then melatonin can help with jet lag. Okay. So you can get um, you can you know, get prescribed melatonin from from doctors over here. I think in America you can actually buy it over a counter.
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah, they, over here I think you can go to a compounding pharmacy and they'll make up some really good melatonin for you. Yeah. but you need a script to be able to do that. Yeah, you
1: need a script to do that. But I'm sure if you were to go to, uh, to go to your GP and say, "Look, I'm traveling to America. Can I get some melatonin? Uh, this is my this is my reason." It's, it's not a harmful.
0: Yes. Uh, Thing yeah. to
1: take. As a sleep aid, it's not the best thing, but for trying to shift your sleep phase, it mm. can be helpful there.
0: Yeah, and it is definitely that short that short term fix. But I've used it, and and it was really really effective. Yeah, um, awesome. So, are you going to be doing any workshops or anything over here? So, because uh, fitness, fitness is your passion, you said that you really yeah, want I to mean, that. Yeah, I've, no, I've
1: been. The first time I stepped in a gym when I was seven years old. Oh, we can... my, my dad was a bodybuilder and powerlifter. He loved it. So he took me, awesome. he took me there. I love sport all my life. Fitness is my passion. Health and fitness both my passion. I'm um, waiting for my visas to come through. Awesome. So I'm not a permanent resident yet. But once I am, I'm starting to look at how can we um, look at people like yourself and say, okay, right, you, you, you're a, you're an athlete. You're a high-performing individual. You want to push yourself further. But there are those things that you could probably improve in terms of your health, mm. like removing the caffeine to improve your, improve your sleep, which then might aid in your improving your recovery, which then enhances your exercise performance. So there is a, 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 a concept that I have called performance through health, which is my, my Instagram at the moment. And that's yes. just me blogging my ideas in my head that I can then build a website. So awesome. look out in the future, definitely. Yep. I'll be looking at improving people's um, yeah. their sleep their nutrition for their recovery and things like meditation and stuff like that awesome help create behaviors that can then say everyone's yeah. focusing on can we create fitness by going harder i'm going to say okay well can we actually get the balance right and increase and uh, enhance recovery
0: yeah i think that's really cool even like doing workshops and things like that over here i'm sure people would love to hear about it and they would love to meet yeah i'd love to, to do year. lectures
1: seminars things like that so if there's people out there who want to collaborate and they already do sort of stuff yeah uh, and i'm i'm more than happy getting up in front of people and speaking i actually you know, i love that i buzz that
0: and i reckon that you'll have a lot of like helpful information for people and they would love to hear it as well so even if it's something that uh, we chat with alice about and that we collaborate just to help you get have out there yeah we I, would. I think it'd be wicked man because like i said going through all these tests i can say that sleep was one of the biggest impacts out of out of all of these things there was definitely no silver bullet but that was a lifestyle which made a huge difference now if people want to get in contact with you
1: what's the best way Okay. So if they want to contact me because they actually have, uh, they think they've got a sleep disorder, then the best way would be contacting me through my work here. So that's my email, martin.macphilimine at sleepcrs.not Awesome. Yep. But if they're looking into optimizing their sleep or trying to look for ways to improve their performance, then perform it through health at gmail.com. All, awesome. my, all my Instagram, performs through health.
0: Perfect. We'll put links for all of that. Martin, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, then make sure to give us a five star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher for your chance to win a Perth Fit Fam t shirt, which we'll be giving away at the end of every show. And just remember that if you love what we do, then you can become a supporter of Perth Fit Fam by joining our fan subscriptions on Facebook, and you'll gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch, and more. Thanks for tuning in, and stay tuned for more of the Perth Fitness scene to come.